Christ to die on that cruel cross for our sins. I pray, Lord, that you would just guide, lead, and direct in the service today, in the Sunday school class this morning, and have your will and way. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Turn to your Bibles. Go ahead and be seated. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and I think we ended up in verse 33, <clears throat> so I want to go ahead and start in verse 34, but maybe give a little bit of background. Remember, the, um, the apostles were arrested, um, they were, the prison doors were opened by the angel of the Lord there in verse 19. The men were told to go to the temple. They went there and they started preaching. They were then <clears throat> apprehended again. And Peter's comment in verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now it's important to see that word obey because you're going to see it show up again. And then verse 32 says, the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. So notice obey is used twice there has nothing to do with works. It's not obedience as in, you know, works for salvation. It is the fact that you obey the gospel. So you obey the gospel and you get saved. You disobey the gospel, you remain lost. Verse 34, <clears throat> Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named uh, Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. So when you see a doctor, he's just, you know, he's an educated man, Ph.D., in our thinking, he's a, he's a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Now, in chapter 22, verse 3, the Bible says that, that Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Uh, he sat at their feet, at his feet too. He was an educated, highly educated man. Therefore, we're not just against education. It's just that you don't have to be educated in order to understand the Bible. It was said that the, the uh, boy driving the plow would uh, understand the Scripture. So there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, we're going to change the Bible because they said the plow boy would understand it. You know what version they came out with whenever, you know, that went on? It was those versions before the King James and the King James. The, the plow boy was able to understand the Bible. You didn't have to change it. You didn't have to dumb it down. It's that, you know, this, this Bible is supposed to speak to your heart. And if it speaks to your heart, you get illumination. You get understanding. If it doesn't speak to your heart, there's a problem with your heart. Not the Word of God. Not God. Not the Holy Ghost. There's a problem with us. Not the Bible. Verse 35, And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, so who is he speaking to? Always keep that in context. Take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. He's sort of neutral is what we'll see right here. Verse 36. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. Notice that word, they obeyed him. Verse 37. After this man rose Judas of Galilee. There's, I think, five different Judases in the Bible. This is Judas of Galilee. In the days of the taxing, drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Sounds like they're mocking what was said about Jesus. He mentioned obeying the, you know, twice. 
And um, now they're, you know, he obeyed him. You know, it's almost like, you know, hey, <clears throat> listen, this has come to naught before in uh, verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. That's not true. If all error was going to come to naught, then we wouldn't have any error. You, you look at Joseph Smith. What did he do? He got a, a, a following. Millions. Mary Baker Eddy. She got a following. You look at, um, you, you look at Muhammad. Got a following. And you go on and on and on, and I can name them, and, and, and this point is not true. You don't compromise since you think, well, it's an error. God's going to take care of it. What if God doesn't take care of it? What if God wants us to be involved in taking care of it? It's, un, it's important to stand for truth. Now, you don't have to be belligerent. You don't have to fix everything everybody does. But the point is, these were Jews under the law. Do you know who was real... Um, you know who really stood his ground was Saul. Saul got letters and said, if I find any in this way, I'm going to compel them to blaspheme. I'm going to draw them to prison. I'm going to, I'm going to see them put to death for heresy. Because he stood, he believed in what he thought was right. You see, that's the way we're supposed to be. Are you willing to die for what you know? First of all, you've got to know. That's the problem. Churches don't teach the Bible. So whenever the persecution comes, what are the, what's going to happen in, in a lot of churches that aren't uh, foundationally based in the Bible? Well, they've got nothing to stand for. Certainly got nothing to die for. That's why it's so important to teach the Bible. To grow in grace. To mature. That's why we spend our time in the Bible studying these things. But when you look at this example, this is not true. Now look at verse 39. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. That's not true either. Now they're not going to be able to. It's going to spread like wildfire, but it's going to spread because of the persecution. Actually, the way that it works, the more persecution, the more it spreads. They're saying, let it alone, and if it's not of God, it'll die. That's not true all the time. He says, But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Now, that's true. They would be fighting against God. And um, 2 Corinthians 3.8 says, Go ahead and turn there and let's look at the verse because I, <clears throat> I want to give it to you in context. I'm sorry, 13. Man, I, my writing in my Bible needs to be bigger. Verse 8. 13.8. 8. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Now, you've you got to understand, that's the Apostle Paul writing that. We, the apostles, we, believers, can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. That's the way it's supposed to be. But it doesn't contradict... What I'm, uh, what I'm showing you. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14. 
I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before Him. Listen, if God's doing it, it's going to last forever. You can't put anything to it. You can't take anything away from it. God does it. Men should fear. Problem is, men don't fear God anymore. Men do not fear God the way that God intended for man to have that relationship with Him. He doesn't want you to walk around in fear, wondering if God's going to slam you down and hurt you and, 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 and beat you over the head. But He wants a healthy fear. What's a healthy fear? When you do wrong, you fear that the fact that God sees everything. God knows everything. So you fear, that, you fear it that way. Fear for your, your parents. That's a good thing. If you fear, uh, you have a healthy fear for them. But at some point, it's got to be where you move beyond that and you fear God more than the repercussions of doing wrong in a family environment. That's how you train your children. You train your children and say, listen, if you do wrong, this is what's going to happen. These are the consequences of the action. But eventually you want to be, look, just do right because it's right. That's what you want. And that's where we fail sometimes. You can keep, listen, you can, well, (laughs) there's some children you couldn't correct and keep in line no matter what you do. Uh, But, uh, you know, you can keep most children in line uh, until you turn your back or walk away. And then you got trouble. Look at, um, look back then at verse 40 again. And to him they agreed, even though he was wrong. Part of his statement was correct. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, I've got to tell you, you know, they beat these guys. I have never been beat for the faith. Never. Um... I've gotten close. I've been, I've been in the streets in Memphis and, you know, had things happen. And, you know, that's not the greatest place to be. We're carrying signs and, you know, we're trying to give out the gospel, street preaching. You know, I mean, but I was never beat up for the faith. And these men were. And I want you to keep that in mind because I've already studied chapter 6 for tonight. Um, in verse 1, it talks about the murmuring. And they're murmuring to the very people that just got beat. Now, now or murmuring about the very people that, they, that they, just, they, they just got beat. I mean, think about that. It's serious stuff. But they told him, he says, look, you, uh, you can't speak in this name. That's, that's very telling. In the world today, what do they want you to do? They don't want you to name Jesus. Because there's no other name given among men whereby ye must be saved. It is the name and only name that saves. Now, it's not just the name. It's, it, it's Jesus and what He did. He died on that cross. Jesus died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again. But the problem that they have is... You know, they put him and they crucified him. Now they're beating the very people that are talking about him. They're saying, hey, we got to stop this thing. Now, they're kicking against the pricks, just like it said of Paul or Saul on the road to Damascus. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to fight against God 
but they'll give their best effort and they will succeed more and more as we see His return approaching. Uh, like I said, I, I cannot believe I, I watched the mechanism in place to shut down churches around the world. Remember? Flatten the curve. If you're a good, if you are a good American, if you're a caring American, if you're a loving American, two weeks, that's all we're asking. If they ask me for two more weeks, you know what they're going to get? No way. I know, I know now. I didn't know then, and I thought I'd be responsible. We thought we'd be responsible, but it was all a ruse in order to see how much control they had. And they had a lot more control than any of us imagined. They put, they put pastors in jail. Our governor said, and, and, and it, he said, he, he just wiped the whole thing out. If you got fined, no fine. You got thrown in jail, no jail. If you're going to court, no court. Why? Because he said churches are essential. Now, we already knew church was essential. But we still thought it was the right thing to do. Was it? I don't know. I don't know. Would I, okay, 2020. Would I do it today knowing what I know? Nope. I'd go down there to the city council. I'd go to the, I'd go to the county commission. And I'd say, listen, you're wrong. 2020. Now, 2020. Now, that's a, that's a rough eyesight. Because I did not have a crystal ball either than any of you. But I'll tell you this, you better determine right now what you're going to do. Because if you don't determine right now what you're going to do, when the time comes, you'll be vacillating around. We're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for God. We're not going to allow the government to say, we're going to shut the doors again. I don't care you know, if they want to stick a banana up my nose to get rid of my monkey pox. That's what happens when you see a meme. How many saw that meme? Okay, yeah. Come to the window and they stick a banana up your nose and that's the vaccine for the monkeypox. Um, but notice how this is going. Why, you know, you got to realize this is not new. This is not new. I'm trying to remember SARS. SARS happened. We were, and I told you this, we were flying over to, um, to the Philippines and then to China. And we had this, we had the Cebu Coliseum, and my books were being printed over there. One book rightly divided, one book stands alone. Every full-time worker got a copy of each that came to the Cebu Coliseum in the Philippines. Well, the, <clears throat> they turn out no gift or a gift. And um, then they said, well, there's SARS over there. You can't go over there. And so we prayed about it, and we just talked amongst ourselves and said, hey, we're going, four of us. And so we go to the airport, no plane. Now, it had nothing, they weren't connected, supposedly, just the devil. You know what we did? It got hit by, a, by lightning. That's what they said. It did or it didn't the night before. You know what we did? We jumped in our car, left Montgomery, Alabama, drove to Atlanta, and, and, and tried to get on the plane there. Problem is, when you don't get on your first flight, they cancel your flight. And so we showed them we had good tickets, tried to, you know, get them to help us and seat together and all that. And the lady says, I'll lose my job. So why just be nice to people? I'll lose my job if I do that. 
And we said, we don't want you to lose your job. Later on, she comes back with four first-class tickets. Happens all the, it happens, not all the time, frequently enough to be blessed. And you know what you do? You just treat people right. You don't, you don't belittle them. You don't say, if, she, if they say, I could lose my job, you know what you say? It's not worth your job, ma'am. And you know what she does? She will fight for you. Or he will fight for you. Excuse me, I'm just using one example where she was a she. I think. I'm not sure now what she is. Just thought I'd throw that in there too. Um, but you just, listen, just, you know, just realize that their battles are coming. I'm not saying we're going to get beaten. Uh, but man, I... I Janet Yellen, I, I, I guess she's the head of the Fed, she said she didn't understand what inflation, how problematic it is. Jimmy Carter, come on, you're older than that, Janet, you know, and you're the head of the Fed, come on. Listen, these people are just, you better just realize, you better know what you're going to do and how you're going to handle persecution. Look at John 16. John 16, verse 33. Jesus speaking, and He says, um, verse 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in Me ye might have peace. So here's, that's where your peace resides. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So, Jesus overcome the world. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but He said, listen, in Me you have peace. Where does your peace reside? Fox News? I hope not. CNN? Let's... Move on from that one. Where does your peace reside? It better reside in Jesus and in relationship. If it doesn't reside in your relationship, your peace is fickle. It'll come, it'll go, it'll be dependent on sinking sand rather than the rock. Jesus is the rock. Well, if, 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 if I'm dependent upon the rock, that's where I'd rather be. I'd rather be standing on solid ground. I know Jesus' solid ground. That's where my peace resides. Your peace cannot be, well, you know, I got up this morning and I really don't feel it. It's not about feelings. It's about relationship. We talk about that all the time. So they were beaten. And they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus, which we see repeatedly in Acts. Look at verse 41 of Acts chapter 5. It says, And they departed from the presence of the council. Councils in the Bible are generally bad. Councils in church institutions are generally bad. Business meetings are generally bad. Generally. Ours are not generally bad. Thank the Lord, because I put the locomotive on as fast as I can. I get through them. 
And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Counted worthy. Yeah, counted worthy. Rejoicing. Now I've got to tell you, if I got beat for the glory of God, I'd be, I, I, know, I know me, I know you probably, we'd get up here and go, I got beat. I was down there. I was talking to him about Jesus. And all of a sudden, I got attacked by a mob. Oh, me. Oh, my. Look at me. Look at me. Because it'd be hard to get up here and go, arm in a sling. Yeah, I went out there and, yeah, they beat me. And I just, you know, I'm just telling you the story. And, and I got a broken arm, two broken ribs. Uh, but I'll tell you what. Glory to God. Now, I, 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 I hope we'd react that way. Do I suspect it might be different? I do. I've heard enough prayer requests to know that if anybody in here gets beat for the glory of God, you're going to... And listen, I, I, listen I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of it. I, I don't mean to completely, but you know, we're a different breed. We're a 21st century Christian breed. Doesn't mean we have to be. It just is the base reality. So... Having read this, when you all get beat, just handle it right. I want to hear you singing louder than anybody in the church. The point, the problem, okay, let me, let me give you the base problem. The problem is we have doubts. Was I really doing everything right? Was I really sinless and didn't bring any of it upon myself? And you can't be sinless. But in other words, what the devil will do is they'll hit you with all these doubts. You know, that happened because you were doing this, you were saying that. And, 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 he, just, and, he, and he just, you know why a lot of pastors burn out? Because, man, they get all these thoughts coming in, they rethink and they rethink and they reevaluate and they reassess. And, and, and then by the time they get done, they're like, man, today's Monday. What do you do? You, you better have a short-term memory. Fortunately for me, by age, it's a coming. It is automatic. And it is, it is I hate it. I hate that I don't have the memory I had when I was younger. I, I hate it. But then again, God's in control. And maybe it's not the worst thing in the world in some cases. Now, I'm not saying I forget. I mean, you come up and give me a bloody nose. I'm going to remember who you are. And I'm going to know to duck next time. So don't think just because I say that that I'm not going to remember who did it. I just. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Look at what the Bible says. James 1. <clears throat> Look at verse 2. My brethren. And again, this is, this is not easy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And it goes on, but it says, it says you know, count it all joy. I, I don't know that we would really joy in it. Um, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. You ought, to, you ought to mark these in your Bible, cross-reference them if, if you're apt to do that. Um, I do. Look at verse 19, 1 Peter 2, 19 through 21. 
For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. I get asked all the time, what should I do in this situation? I tell them, listen, suffer yourselves to be defrauded. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Sometimes we get into a point where we go, well, I'm right. He or she is wrong or they are wrong. Therefore, how I respond is justified because I'm right, they're wrong. Look at what it says. Look at what it says right there. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye, ta- ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God, for even hereunto... Were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps? I'm right. You're wrong. I can pounce on you as though I am a giant and you are an ant. That's not what the Bible says. Take it. Now, it doesn't mean you lay down on the road and let people run all over you because the Bible also says... If it be possible, as much as lieth in thee, live peaceably with all men. What does that mean? Sometimes it's not possible. I mean, you can push, and you can push somebody against the wall. What happens? Well, the only way they can get out of there is to come back at you. So you just don't push so far that they get up against the wall where there's no choice but to come in your direction. But you just, you know, you, you, somebody walks up and just pushes you. Well, I've got to go push them back. No. Nah. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Verse 22. Bible says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Now how many of you like to be hated? Not a one. And when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. He says, what's the first word in 22? Blessed. Are you kidding me? Lord. Oh, and by the way, that's the Gospels. That doesn't apply to us. We're church age, right? But it's all through the Scripture. It's not, you can't hyper-divide this away just because you're a hyper-dividing dispensationalist. Look at verse 23. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. Why would you rejoice and leap for joy? For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did, did their fathers unto the prophets. He says, listen, you're rejoicing. Rejoice now because your reward's later on. If we keep that in mind, we'll handle things a whole lot better. You just have to be reminded. See, the problem is we we forget. And that's why you come to church. That's why you get reminded. That's why you learn and grow and mature because we need to be reminded that, look, this thing is not an easy thing. People will be hurt. You will be hurt. And how you handle that hurt, I'm telling you, I, I don't rejoice when I'm whatever that all said back there. 
Look at uh, Matthew chapter 5. Again, same type of thing. They can say, well, you know, this is, this is the Gospels. Jesus was on earth. And I used to do that too. I said, well, when Jesus was ruling, you know, he was talking about ruling the earth with a rod of iron. And all this applies to that. But it applies to all times. Matthew 5 verse 12. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Mm. Wow. Going back to Acts chapter 5, and let's finish up with verse 42. After all this, their beat, their rejoicing, 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know, my, my, job, my job is to teach and preach Jesus Christ no matter what comes at me. That's what it is. My purpose is to teach and preach Jesus Christ. When I say job, you think, oh, you're talking about being a pastor. No, I'm not. My job, Spanish, my job, my purpose is to teach and preach Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was a terrible way to end, but we got to stay in. <laughs> used to be, used to be. In, in society, you could, you could tell a joke and everybody didn't get offended, you know? You can't now. I mean, you know, if, if you say, and there, I, can't even, I can't even say anything because I'm thinking, oh, no, I'd offend somebody. But, and I'm, I'm purposefully being offensive if I do it. And I, and I don't mean to do that. But, you know, it was just one of those things came out. But, you know, there are people that might watch this and go, oh, that was so wrong. And I look at it and go, you know what? that's the worst thing, worst thing I've done today or this week, I'm going to be in pretty good shape. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for many blessings. God, lead and direct in all things. In Jesus' name and forsake, amen. You are dismissed. Starting again in about 13 and a half minutes.